Our scripture reading for this morning is taken from Luke chapter 2, after the Christmas story. So kids, if you were wondering if you're going to get a Jesus story, this is it right now. So this is Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 21. So that's after all the stuff about the angels and the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verse 21, and we'll read all the way to verse 38. Luke writes, On the eighth day, that is the eighth day after Jesus was born, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what it is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Will you pray with me as we open our hearts for God's word? 
Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, you who revealed to Simeon that the Son was coming, we pray that you would open our hearts as well, that you would prepare us to hear your word. And to those of us, Lord, who don't know you yet, Lord, reveal yourself by your Spirit. Bring their dead souls to life by the word of our brother Mark in the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Before we get into our message this morning, I'd like to make note of the excellent work that our associate pastor, Yuri Hooker, and in many ways his whole family with him has done over the last year, and especially during COVID, and especially on Thursday night. Um, Yuri and his team, namely Caleb Mogilevsky and Ruth Rennie, but all of the Kids Club leaders and our children's Sunday school teachers put together and delivered a sort of alternative and wonderful Christmas Eve event that honored God and inspired us all. So I want to thank all of the leaders, all of the teachers, all of the parents, and especially all of our kids who did just a wonderful job of bringing the Christmas story in a different way that we've never experienced before for all of us. And while I'm at it, Dan and the audiovisual team, including Caleb, Joel, Isela, Jeremy, Theo, and Colin, have been serving us well and faithfully all these months, too. So thank you uh, to them as well. Um, if I may, I'd like to share just one other word not really associated with the message or the text this morning um, before we get into it. And that, that word is persevering faith. Okay, I know that's two words, but it's one biblical concept, persevering faith. It's not just believing, but it's standing firm or standing fast in our faith no matter what. Through it all, even though even through all the way to the end, whatever that may mean, through temptation, through falling to temptation and getting back up, through persecution, through martyrdom, and even through COVID-19. This means that we continue to do our part to remain faithful to God and responsible to our neighbors. Even if it means we have to do another year of Sunday live streams, Lord, help us. We hope that's not the case. But even if it is, and Zoom ministry nights and meetings, we will persevere in faith no matter what. I'll say quite a bit more about this and related matters beginning next Sunday, the first Sunday of the new year, but I wanted to give you just a bit of encouragement today. Let's persevere in our faith. The title of the Associated Press article by Francis D'Amelio on Christmas Day was a pandemic Christmas, churches shut, borders complicated. A couple of hours after it was posted, I noticed that the title was later amended to A Pandemic Christmas, Services Move Online, People Stay Home. But you get the drift. One paragraph got my attention especially. Here it is, quoting now, Bell's rang out around Bethlehem on Friday as the traditional birthplace of Jesus' celebrated Christmas Day. But the closure of Israel's international airport to foreign tourists 
along with Palestinian restrictions banning intercity travel in the areas they administer in the Israeli-occupied West Bank, kept visitors away. The site of Jesus' birth and the immediate area surrounding it has been some of the most contested ground in the most contested land in the entire world for over 2,000 years, and especially since 1948 and the birth of the contemporary nation-state of Israel. Consequently, Beit Lechem, which means house of bread, and especially the people of Bethlehem, have gone through more political turbulence, more human suffering, and more conflict and death than can be measured just since 1948, and especially Palestinians, as Bethlehem is located within what is commonly referred to as the Palestinian territories. And now, added to all of these ongoing challenges and difficulties, the very place of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's human birth has been virtually abandoned this year on the very day upon which we celebrate his birth due to the current COVID pandemic. A place of celebration has become a place of conflict and now a place of vacancy. This first Sunday after Christmas is also known in the Christian church the world over as the first Sunday of Epiphany. Now, the word epiphany is from the Greek meaning appearance. And the sense of it is of being visited by a supernatural being, but it's used most commonly in English to refer to that aha moment. As in, aha, I just had an epiphany. Men and women don't think alike. Something brilliant like that. Or maybe even E equals MC squared. That's an epiphany. I heard on the way over here on the radio uh, somebody referring to the epiphany the Grinch has in the movie The Grinch or, or How the Grinch Stole Christmas. At the end of the story when he realizes that he doesn't have to live in this misery again, and that moment when the light bulb literally comes on in the original, that's the epiphany, the aha moment. The sense of it is, is of being visited by a supernatural being, as I said before, and the root meaning of the word is that that aha moment might come because of the visitation of a supernatural being. Well, finally... Since early on, after Christ's birth, the epiphany has referred to the appearance of Christ. So Advent refers to his coming, and it's marked before, up to, and including his arrival. And epiphany refers to his appearing, marked from the moment of his arrival, forward. As Yuri said, for 12 days in the Christian tradition. So Christians have celebrated the 12 days of Epiphany, pointing to the appearance of the Christ, God's Son in the flesh, 
as testified to by the worshiping magi of Matthew 2, which we looked at last week. I'm just going to share with you verses 10 and 11 of Matthew chapter 2. When they, the magi, saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Now, we have fewer time cues in the text than we might have liked, but the strong tradition is that the Magi of Matthew's gospel arrived 12 days after Jesus' birth. Hence, the 12 days of Epiphany, or the 12 days of Christmas that we sometimes sing. That means that today is not only the first Sunday of Epiphany, which it is on the Christian calendar. This year, it's also the third day of Christmas, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Merry Christmas, y'all. Now, speaking of the star, which only shows up in Matthew's account of Jesus's birth, and it had a prominent place in our Christmas Eve play, I loved the bulletin covers Naveen found for us the last couple of Sundays. Last week's for its beauty, here it is. It's got uh, sort of a um, uh, an ice uh, crystal star there. It's just beautiful. And then this morning's is a more contemporary ren- rendering of a star. Uh, but the thing I like about it is the children reaching up to it at the bottom. Very, very, very nice. I just appreciate Naveen as a person. I appreciate the work she does, and especially the spirit of joy, faith, and goodwill with which she does what she does. We are blessed to have her, and she is still more evidence of God's provision for us. Now, this morning, I'd like to conclude our message series that we've been running through Advent with one more aspect of things into which angels long to look. And I've entitled it, The Week After That First Christmas. And I'd like to, for us to, to look for two organizing truths to help us understand it. Just, just two. The first is, what does this text tell us about the Jesus who was born on that first Christmas? What does the text tell us about the Jesus who was born on that first Christmas? And secondly, what does this text tell us about the human beings God entrusted to parent Jesus? What does this text tell us about the human beings God entrusted to parent Jesus? Now, I almost entitled this message the week after that first Christmas as a guide to parenting in the 21st century. I really did. That was my that was my draft title. That was my tentative title. But I concluded finally that that would be both too ambitious for a 30 or 40, 40 minute message. And it likely require going beyond the text into personal opinion and practice. So. So it's just the week after that first Christmas. However, there is much here about the identity of Jesus and his place in God's sovereign plan and the character, faith, and practice of Joseph and Mary, Jesus's earthly parents. Now, I'd like to refer you to that uh, central truth of the message in your bulletins up in the upper left-hand corner. You just open it up, and there in the upper left-hand corner, and uh, here it is. Jesus's earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, dedicated Jesus to the Lord as they ought to have done. We can 
And we should do likewise for our children to give them a foundation of faith to live their lives. Jesus' earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, dedicated Jesus to the Lord as they ought to have done. We can and we should do likewise for our children to give them a foundation of faith to live their lives. As we continue, let me just note that this will be more of an exploratory Bible study than a sermon per se. Let's just see what the Holy Spirit might show us here this morning. I'm going to pause to pray and then we'll jump in. Lord, thank you for this, your word. I pray that you would be with us, that you would be speaking to us, that your Holy Spirit would open our minds and our hearts to the truth of your word and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I join Yuri in his prayer that any of us who are not saved, Lord, that you would open our minds and our hearts to the salvation who is in Christ, and we'll see that in the text here this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to grow us up into the knowledge of Christ, yes, as individuals, yes, as families, and yes, as a congregation, that we would have that persevering faith that is a single concept in the Bible, that your people, your true people, have always manifested throughout the ages. And I pray that would be true for us as well. Lord, we thank you for this, your word, both written and spoken, and most especially the supreme expression of your word, who is the person of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. We thank you for him, especially on this Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's jump in. The first thing I want us to see from this text that I think will be borne out as we move through our, our, our message here this morning The first thing, so it's number one, if you're keeping score, Jesus's earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, believed and obeyed. That's very important. They believed and they obeyed both the written and verbal commands of the Lord to them. I want you to get the whole thing. Jesus's earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, believed and obeyed both the written and verbal commands of the Lord to them. Let's look at the first few verses from verse 21 of Luke's gospel, chapter 2. Mine will read a little bit differently. Yuri was reading from the New International Version. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Both very good translations. They, they just read a bit differently. Uh, the one, the English Standard Version, is a little bit more technically accurate to the text of, of the original uh, Greek. And the NIV is, is easier to read. Um, that's basically the two differences. Verse 21 of Luke chapter 22. And at the end of eight days, when he, Jesus, was circumcised, he was called Jesus. Here's the important part. The name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So this is really a prophetic name, right? The angel shared this name Um, with Jesus' parents before he was even conceived, well, with Mary anyway, before he was even conceived. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb, verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, this is going to be 
uh, a refrain that we're reading through this entire text, something like this, according to the law of Moses or according to the law of the Lord. We'll see it several times. And, and the point is that, that doing the right thing on behalf of Jesus that they've been entrusted to was exceptionally important to Joseph and Mary. They were trying to follow the Lord's word as closely and as faithfully as they possibly could. And the phrase is, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And here's a point of explanation in verse 23. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what it said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now let's remember from last week the importance of the firstborn son in the law of Moses and the tradition of Israel. Firstborn sons were to be dedicated or set apart to the Lord. They were considered to have been given by the Lord, and they were also considered to be holy to the Lord. And holy means to be set apart, to be, to, to be set apart for the Lord. The Lord could use them in any way he pleased. They were dedicated to the Lord. And we saw last week that Jesus is named in Scripture as the firstborn of creation, the firstborn of the Virgin Mary, the firstborn of many brethren, and the firstborn from the dead. But the most important truth that we can take from Joseph and Mary's character and practice is that they had hearts to believe and minds to obey God's word to them. There are many aspects of the Christmas story that we cannot relate to directly. Choirs of angels and such at the birth of our children. But we can be parents with hearts to believe and minds to obey God's word to us, especially if we have the Holy Spirit to help us. And on this side of the cross in Pentecost, we do. If we are true believers, we have within us the Holy Spirit and the ability to do right by our children. We have the ability to believe God's word and obey God's word on behalf of our children, toward our children, for our children. We have this ability, and we see it modeled in Joseph and Mary as they sought to do everything they possibly could to remain faithful and to get it right um, according to the law of the Lord or the law of Moses on behalf of Jesus. And we do it also, and this is important, not for ourselves only, but for our children. We do it also, not for ourselves only, but for the generations to follow. And we do it also, not only for ourselves only, but to bring glory to the one true and living God and that others will know Jesus Christ. Now, it's important to remember that Joseph and Mary didn't ask for any of this. They didn't apply for the job. 
This is something that they were appointed for, appointed to, that was not only given to them, but was also required of them. And they eventually went willingly and did everything that they did willingly. But we have to remember how difficult it must have been for them. They were willing vessels, yes, who made themselves readily available for God's use. Uh, But as a result, they received both the joy and the heartache of parenting the Messiah God's people had waited for. And we'll see a little bit more about that in just a minute. But for now, suffice it to say that Joseph and Mary were doing everything they knew to do to fulfill God's righteous law and to do so on behalf of their newly born son, the son of God and the Holy One of Israel. So number one, Jesus's earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, believed and obeyed both the written and verbal commands of the Lord to them. There's a second thing I think we can take from this this text that is uh, that, that is important and uh, I hope will be very helpful, and that is this, Jesus's identity and birth. So those are two aspects about Jesus that I'd like for us to process here this morning, according to this text. Jesus's identity and birth were prophesied long before he was born, and the prophecies were confirmed and validated in the early days of Jesus's earthly life. In fact, in this first week. And really all along throughout his life in various ways. But we see them in this text. Jesus' identity and birth were prophesied long before he was born. And the prophecies were confirmed and validated in the early days of Jesus' earthly life. Now let's look at a little longer passage now. And join me as I read and make some comment along our way. Um, Starting with verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, as I began preparing for this message and I read this text and when I read waiting for the consolation of Israel, I immediately went to Hebrews chapter 11. So I I, want to ask you to turn there with me. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, there's, there's a very important and very strange thing that we read near the end of chapter 11 of Hebrews. And it's verse 39 and, and, and 40. So in the 11th chapter of Hebrews... We have this long, prodigious list of people who had followed the Lord by faith at great cost, all of them at great cost, and at the end of that list that is both personal in that he names names, but he also brings people into categories, those who were beaten for their faith, those who were killed for their faith, without the names, but just a general category of persons who have gone before us. And then he gets all the way down to verse 39 and he says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Now, I thought God fulfilled all of his promises, that God says something and he does that very thing. Well, he does. And that's the importance of verse 40. 
Verse 39 again. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. In other words, God's promises to them would be fulfilled in us. It is no violation of his word that God will fulfill his promises to them in us. Their promises came true. This is very much the case for Simeon and Jesus. Turn back with me to Luke chapter 2. Verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Would he see the consolation of Israel? Not in the sense that all of Israel was consoled. But the one who would console Israel, he saw with his own eyes. And that was the point. So the promises of Israel that Simeon was was a representative of had been received and they would be fulfilled, but not in his sight, not in their sight, not in their place and time but in a later place and time. And here, Simeon, though, he sees, he sees the one through whom the consolation would come, Jesus the Christ, who would later give his life for those whom God loved. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. That's, that's very important. It's kind of a strange thing. This is, this is before Pentecost, right? And before Pentecost, we generally understand in the Old Testament time, and this, this would be included because it's before Pentecost, right? I know it's the New Testament, but it's before Pentecost. That the Holy Spirit alighted on specific individuals for specific purposes. On kings, so that they could fulfill their kingly responsibilities. On prophets, so that they could prophesy rightly. On priests, so that they could lead the people in worship properly, that is, according to the Spirit. But the the Spirit wasn't generally available to all of God's people because Christ had not not, uh, died and the veil between us and the Holy of Holies had not been rent and the Spirit had not come in Pentecost. But here it says, upon this man Simeon, who who was righteous and devout, But all we really know about him is that he's been waiting for the consolation of Israel, that he's been promised. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, this is the sort of thing that will get you thrown out of a lot of churches. If we believe that the Lord has revealed something to us by the Holy Spirit that's not contained specifically in the Scripture. And I just want to caution us to not be so, what's the word? Judgy. The Holy Spirit will speak to us in any way he prefers. The question is, are we listening? Are we responsive? Now, there's a lot out there that is um, uh, attributed to the Holy Spirit, that's just nonsense. And there's another 
category for that. It's called false prophecy. It's called false uh, teaching. And we don't want to have anything to do with that. But here we see in this text, even before the Holy Spirit had come generally, that it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. I'm thinking he probably had some family members that thought he was a little crazy. And there he was at the temple waiting for the fulfillment of God's promise to him. Verse 27, and he came in the spirit. (laughs) It just gets better. And he, Simeon, came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him, Jesus, up in his arms and blessed God and said, quoting here from the Old Testament now, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. So now Simeon had seen the very fulfillment of the promise that the Holy Spirit had given him that he would not see death until he saw the Lord's Christ. That's what the text says. And I want you to notice three things that, that the Holy Spirit through him says about this Christ. First of all, in verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. doesn't mean that God needs to be saved. It means the salvation that God has provided, right? And God has provided salvation through this child. Simeon didn't know this child, except that he came in the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit said, this is he, much like he did with John the Baptist uh, when Jesus came to be baptized. And he calls him, your, speaking to the Lord, so it says he's blessed God. I have seen your salvation, number one, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Secondly, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. So this is the second aspect of Jesus' identity that is being revealed to us here in this text through Simeon and the Holy Spirit. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. And, number three, for glory to your people Israel. The salvation God supplies, a revelation of, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, so they would have a, a testimony, and they would be called to faith in this one true and living God as well, and also glory to God's people Israel. Wow. So, Jesus' identity and birth were prophesied long before he was born, and the prophecies were confirmed and validated in the early days of Jesus' earthly life, namely these first eight days. There's a third thing, a third thing, and it's this, Simeon's prophetic testimony about the Christ child. This, is, this was exceptionally important for Joseph and Mary. Simeon's prophetic testimony about the Christ child affirmed what Joseph and Mary had already been told. Simeon's prophetic testimony about the Christ child affirmed what Joseph and Mary had already been told, encouraging them to continue on their unique journey. 
I, I, I find this, as a parent, I find this to be very close to my heart, this um, process that they had to go through about their own child, uh, both in the present and the future that they get, had to be heart-rending and thrilling at the same time, had, had to be just joyful and sorrowful all at the same time. One more time, Simeon's pro- prophetic ministry or testimony about the child Christ child affirmed what Joseph and Mary had already been told, encouraging them to continue on their unique journey. Verse 33, 34, and 35. And his father, that is Jesus' father. Now, he calls Joseph to be technical about it. I don't want to be more technical than the Lord as he, you know, gives his word here. But, but to, be, to be technical about it, Joseph was Jesus' stepfather. He wasn't his biological father. We all know that. But he's just, in relationship, in their earthly relationship, father and son, right? So I don't want us to get hung up on this. Um, he's speaking here of Joseph, and he's speaking here of Mary, and his father, that is Jesus' father, and his mother marveled at what had what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. I don't think we could ever even approximate the challenges to Joseph and Mary first in understanding what was happening to them and all around them concerning this son whom they also never asked for. (laughs) Oh, and did I mention Mary was a virgin? How could she have a son? We just have no idea what they went through. Last week I mentioned a movie, The Nativity Story. Fantastic. And really deals with these challenges, these working through these unbelievable things that are happening to them and 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 they go through the difficult process of both believing and obeying all the way to Bethlehem no kidding angels heralding what was to come and telling them not to be afraid yeah right you fear not angels Actual choirs of angels, shepherds looking in, a brilliant star above to mark the occasion, prophets and prophetesses prophesying, and eventually magi. Speaking of magi, I just want to reiterate, especially to our kids, how much I enjoyed and appreciated their work on the Christmas Eve play. Bravo. Wonderful. You all did great, and I I really do thank you. But still, I, I don't think we can underestimate the, the importance of the validation and the vitality of the encouragement that Joseph and Mary received when things happened, quoting the text now, just as they were told. Or when unexpectedly prophets and prophetesses appeared and confirmed for them what they, that they weren't losing their minds, at least not on account of these facts, because they had already been told what was happening, and then it was happening, and then they could see that, The Lord was with them. How else could they know beforehand? And the one thing that I want us to to keep in mind before we move away from Joseph and Mary is their desire 
to raise Jesus in the right way. And the reason that I had Yuri read Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible, is the family aspect of it. I'm going to read it one more time, these nine verses. There's more to it, but I'm going to read these nine verses. And the one thing I want you to watch for is the family aspect. How important it is for us parents to raise our children in the context of faith and that they see us being faithful to the one true and living God on this side of the cross by faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me, this is Moses speaking here, as Yuri mentioned earlier, to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. Speaking of the promised land on the other side of the Jordan, they're literally on, on the west bank of the Jordan, looking across to the east where the promised land is. They're literally about to go into the land. Verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God, you... And your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may greatly multiply. As the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Faith is a family affair, and it's a community affair. It's not to be lived alone. And so um, the third and, and, and next to last truth that we see from this text is the Simeon's prophetic ministry about the Christ child affirmed what Joseph and Mary had already been told, encouraging them to continue on their unique journey. Number four, and finally, Anna, the prophetess, starting at verse 36, Anna, the prophetess, her personal devotion to the Lord and her personal testimony also validated the identity of Jesus and the need for others to know him and to know about him. Anna's personal devotion to the Lord and her personal testimony also with Simeon validated the identity of Jesus and the need of others to know him and to know about him. Verses 36, 37, and 38. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years. Now, the text actually puts it kind of a funny way, but but the NIV got it exactly right. The, The text actually says she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. Which makes you think, what? And the point is, since she was married. She was married for seven years to her husband, and then he died. This is the point. And she then lived as a widow for the rest of her life from that point forward. But, but the text here 
says that a little, uh, in a little funny way, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him. Who's the him? Well, the him is Jesus. The NIV does it a little bit better of the Christ child, I, I think, or of, of the child, maybe. Um, the text actually just says to speak of him, Jesus, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So here we have two prophetic tests testifiers, one after the other, on the eighth day, as they took care of all of the requirements of the law as it related to Jesus, and they they are affirmed and confirmed in both their faith and in their practice that they were doing the right thing. Anna's personal devotion to the Lord and her personal testimony also validated the identity of Jesus and the need for others to know him and to know about him, because how how does it finish up and coming up at that very hour she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him of Jesus we, we don't have a an, an immediate reference here so it could possibly be speaking of God but because of the context we generally can say that this is of Jesus began to and, and to speak of Jesus to all who were waiting what for the redemption of Israel and here he was. Now, please don't go anywhere. I have a final word after we sing to close out this passage, this message, and this service. But for now, I'd like to ask you to pray with me. Lord, uh, thank you for this word of yours. Uh, thank you for this that we call the Christmas story. Lord, I pray that we will have gotten some insight that we didn't have before, that we will have some recognition that this is not just a story, this is a testimony to the risen Lord Jesus. And it's your gospel that he came for the redemption of Israel, for the consolation of Israel. In fact, he is redemption. He is consolation. He is your word. And we thank you for sending him. And and I pray, Lord, that as a result of our gathering together this morning in this disparate way, uh, you will have spoken to us and you will continue to speak to us as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close this morning, I'd I'd like for us to remember that Jesus' earthly parents were very serious about raising Jesus and presumably, presumably the rest of their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, as Ephesians 6, 4 later instructs us, and and in particular, fathers raise our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We've seen this already, but we see it confirmed in verses 39 and 40 of Luke chapter 2. I should have told you to keep your Bibles open, but but verses 39 and 40 of Luke chapter 2 that we didn't read until now, and when they, Joseph and Mary, had performed everything according to the law of the Lord. Just grab hold of that. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. Verse 40. 
and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. As I finish this message, I realize there's a sense in which the sweet baby Jesus needed his earthly stewards, his earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, to fulfill some aspects of his righteousness before God the Father on his behalf because he was unable to do it at that time. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord. So it is for us, especially parents for our children. Yes, once we reach the age of majority, we're responsible, responsible before God for our lives, but we will still need each other. Worship, word, fellowship, and ministry are all community activities, as is the entire Christian life. We'll talk about, more about that next Sunday. I hope you'll join us then. Lord, thank you for this opportunity for us to worship you and exalt Jesus, to celebrate his coming, and to also uh, process who he is and, and how we may follow him more fully as parents, as children, and as your church. Lord, as we close out this year, I pray, Lord, that we will do so without regret, and we will look forward in hope to the year to come. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next time. Thanks for coming.